You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. And welcome to another episode of the Standing Room Spartans podcast. As always, your host here with a special guest joining us today. It's Corey Robinson from Rivals. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter. That's at Rivals Robinson. Um, and of course, you know, head over to Rivals.com. There's Spartan Mag for you with a ton of good content, not only on the recruiting trail, but of course, following the team you know, as we go into the season here, as we get into the middle of the off season, you know, with, with recruits starting to really start committing uh, at a pretty good pace here with both football and basketball, it's definitely a good time to get on there. Um, Corey, welcome to the show. I appreciate your time. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Good. Yeah, I know it's it's been a pretty hectic time for the basketball side of recruiting. Uh, we're here mostly to talk about football, but, you know, I just wanted to get your take real quick on, on some of these basketball recruits. I mean, what's what's the energy like around that program and how has Izzo started to turn some of these guys? Um, yeah, right now uh, the, there's probably the hottest team in the country and uh, basketball and maybe in football, all sports right now with recruiting, he's just on a roll. Um, and the big thing is a lot of the guys he's getting are high character kids too. That just happen to be that. So when you hear uh, Enoch uh, or uh, Max Christie talking during their interviews, they handle it better than a lot of college kids are handling there. So I think that's another factor that works in. Um, but yeah, I don't know if there's a he's doing anything different maybe it's just the kids are uh listening more or whether the the virus and shutdown has pulled things closer and people are more relationship based which has always been is strength yeah and that's something we'll we'll get into in a little bit here with mel tucker and and how the virus has affected his first round of recruiting but uh, we'll kind of get into to mel tucker here so I'm just curious, following recruiting from afar, you know, it's it's tough as a as a just football fan to really get into the weeds of, of high school recruiting. There's so many guys, there's so many offers, it's hard to keep track of. But what are some things you've noticed about Mel Tucker since he's taken over, about the kids that he's offering or at least trying to bring in here? Are there any you know, physical requirements that, that he's looking at? Are there any kind of 
styles? You know, is it a pro style quarterback? Is it a dual threat quarterback? Are, are there any trends you've noticed as far as the type of players that he's going after? Uh, yeah, definitely. He, he has a very uh, strict size chart for each position where uh, if they, they have to be a certain size and weight just to even be on the recruiting board to get an offer. And then once you get the offer, then you go from there as far as how his list is. Um, I guess for him, quarterback, you have to throw first. Like that's big for the offense he's going to run. But he's looking for a guy that can throw and accurately and run and move the chains with the ball, which I think uh, with Hamp Fay, the kid that they have out of Texas, the 2021 quarterback commit, he's a guy that can do both things, very accurate. And at 6'5", he's very fast and athletic for a kid that size where generally they're more lanky and not as uh, mobile. But I think he fits what they're looking for in a quarterback. And I, I believe he'd also be rated a little higher, but he had an injury last year that only allowed him to play three games in his junior year but he was putting up huge numbers at the highest level of Texas there. So I think if they have a senior season down in Texas, I have him as a guy that's really going to blow up and uh, Tucker and them will look really smart for taking him early on. Yeah, that's it happens with a lot of those guys, right? The the high school kids who, who end up suffering an injury or or whatever the case may be that, we get caught up in the, you know, how many stars the kid has or whatever, but there's a lot of factors that go into that kind of stuff. Right. And so that that's always exciting to hear if we can get the quarterback in the building. I know that's um, it was on the moving the sticks podcast where, where Mel Tucker was talking with Daniel Jeremiah about, you know, quarterbacks. And that was something he, he mentioned as somebody who, you know, could at least move the chains running. It's not necessarily looking for the next Lamar Jackson, but, you know, at least somebody who can move around a little bit. And that's why I've been trying to push. I, I'm really hoping that Peyton Thorne gets a real shot to start this year. I mean, do, do you, have you heard anything about that? Or do you have a lean of, of one guy that's in the building now as far as 2020 goes? Um, I haven't got to hear a whole lot just because of everything with the shutdown, not being able to be around the coaches, but I've heard, uh, from inside the building, a guy like Peyton Thorne has looked good, a really accurate kid. And he's a very intelligent quarterback. He knows how to run an offense. He always, his dad was a coach, uh, or is a coach, uh, that's a kind of an offensive genius and he's passed that on to Peyton. So I think he's really good at that. And I know they're, intrigued with Day's size and athleticism but uh he's a little harder read for me I guess like I'm with you I personally like Thorne just because of his accuracy and his uh, ability to get the ball out on time because most of the time when you see a high school tape it's just a guy chucking the ball down the field (laughs) and beating the guy with Thorne I thought he did a good job of getting the ball out on time in the right spot and that was something that always stuck out to me with his tape. Yeah it's 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 so tough to watch high school recruiting tape sometimes you know as again as the kind of casual observer you find some of these kids in the highlight tape and especially for running backs or something you just see them hit a hole fly 70 yards down the field untouched and you're like okay is is he good I I don't know right but 
uh, with with quarterbacks, it, it can be pretty tough as well. I remember watching, you know, like Tavon Austin or some of these like legendary high school tapes, and you're like, I, I don't even know if if he's good or not, but it's fun to watch. <laughs> now, what about so we we kind of talked about the the player and what what Mel Tucker's looking for as kind of a prototype. Are there any regions or schools that are sticking out? Is is there anywhere, um, you know, within the state of Michigan, any schools in particular that he seems to be going after? Or are there any outside of Michigan, are there any states that he seems to be targeting a lot uh, with the 2021-2022 classes? Yeah, so uh, first and the most important thing to him probably is the southeast Michigan region. Uh, so he's really done a good job trying to reach out to the coaches and players out there to build a relationship uh, due to everything going on. It's been a little harder, but he's still, you know, getting it out there with the Zoom calls and the texts and everything just to get his name out there. Um, as far as schools, I don't know that he necessarily reaches out to a, a in particular school, but he does seem to have a, a trend where there's a lot of power programs across the country uh, that he's gotten recruits from in this 2021 class, whether it's Oak Park with uh, Prim, the running back, Davion Prim. Yep. Uh, hey, Hampton Bay is at Episcopal in Texas, which is a big one. Uh, Antoine Booth, he's over at DeMatha. Uh, What's his name? Uh, Kevin Wigginton's at the Hun, which is a huge program over in New Jersey area. And then he's got an IMG tight end. So he seemed to have gotten some guys from some major programs already in this first class, which is a good way to help pay dividends down the road because those programs are constantly producing high-level D1 players. But then he, if he's – the big thing is just fitting uh, his athletic – of build and all of that stuff that he needs, but but he has done a good job of uh, targeting some of the major schools across the country. Yeah, that's something that I loved when when he came in the building. It was really from day one that you know programs are built in the weight room and and this kind of height, weight, speed requirements and things like that. And you know, like you said, there's there's some of these programs around the country that just consistently put out guys that are going you know, to power five schools and, and whether it be a, an IMG, a St. Thomas Aquinas and some of these schools, even just getting your foot in the door with, you know, one or two kids can, you know, open the door for somebody in the future. So, you know, I love hearing that. And especially now when we're looking at Southeast Michigan, there were, you know, of course, a lot of reports over the last couple of years with D'Antonio, whether it be, you know, from, for one reason or another that that relationship just it, it might have soured over the last couple of years um first of all what from your perspective obviously as somebody who's kind of boots on the ground more involved with all of this than most of us um is is that true that that there was kind of a maybe a not a great relationship with a lot of maybe the Detroit area schools over the last couple of years and and do you think that that Mel Tucker can kind of solve that and start getting back some of these kids from Cast Tech, from Oak Park, um, and and some of these great schools that are putting out D one talent every year? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think with starting with the D'Antonio end of it, 
there's the Blackwell stuff, which everybody knows about, which didn't help because he runs the Sound Mind, Sound Body, which uh, does a lot of stuff with the Southeast area, but they also do a lot of stuff in the Midwest, like the mid Best of the Midwest camp, which was a huge one where college coaches could attend, but due to the strained relationship with them, Michigan State hadn't been attending it the last two or three years, which that's not great for recruiting because you want to be able to see the kids in person and get to talk to them in that setting. So they lost that end of it. And then I think another factor was when he lost Harlan Barnett. Uh, Harlan to me was the guy that could bridge that gap uh, of Southeast where kids could identify with him well. Uh, And he had a good relationship with the coaches and they trusted him. Uh, So I, I think those two things played a major factor in it. And maybe just uh, personality-wise, uh, I don't know that Michigan State's past staff was as good at identifying with kids, where uh, Mel Tucker and a lot of the guys on his staff, I feel like they kind of got a better grip for what kids are like now and what they're into, and they can connect with them better. Uh, so I think that part will help him out a lot over there and just all in general all over. And then he also has added a lot to the the football program outside of the 10 on-field coaches. Each one has an, their own assistant. And then there's the recruiting team, which they would like to use someday on campus, I'm sure. Uh, has, like, really, like, quadrupled in size. So, so a lot more focus, I guess, in getting people that help, uh, that can relate with the kids better and that maybe they're closer to their age and situations. Yeah, and that comes back to, you know, with the athletic department really kind of putting the ante on the table and, and doubling the, the assistant coaches' pool salaries and, and being able to do some of this stuff, right? And and that's something that as soon as that news came out as part of the Mel Tucker hire that everybody was excited for. And, you know, you bring in a guy like Courtney Hawkins who – you know, no, he hasn't coached in college, but like you said, you know, when it comes to relating to some of these younger guys, he's been in high school. He's been in an inner city high school for, you know, the last however many years that in Flint. And and my first instinct was like, you know, Flint has basketball and football basically just been a pipeline to MSU for years. And and my first instinct was with Courtney Hawkins that we're, we're basically never going to lose a guy from Flint ever again. Uh, but yeah, it's a guy that maybe can help relate to some of these kids and start building some some better relationships around Southeast Michigan or, or around the country as well. Um, now, you said, I'm I'm curious here. You said that that each position coach has a recruiting assistant, and then there's also an, a a recruiting staff. So obviously, now in in this COVID time, it's it's hard to really you know recruit effectively, but I, I guess, do you have any idea of, of what the, the plan is when people are starting to come back and, and have some official visits and, and really get in the building? Is there kind of a plan together for this whole staff? And Yeah, I, I get the sense with them, just with everything they've done. Uh, they're very detail-oriented, and this is a staff that once they can get the kids on campus, once everything opens back up, that's when they're going to really make their money, so to speak, on recruiting because they, they just have a lot of people that have played the game 
even on their grad assistants. Their grad assistants are a, a different level of grad assistant, I guess is a good way to put it, where yeah. you have like a Jack Harris. He's uh, the offensive line grad assistant coach, but he's been with uh, Kapilovich uh, at Colorado, and I believe he was uh, with the team even when they were at Georgia in some fashion. So a lot of these guys, they're coming over, so they have a familiarity working with each other already. And then uh, they uh, they know what they're trying to do on the field and off the field as recruiting people. Uh, but yeah, much larger class. And if when you look into it, uh, you just see all these guys that did play college football. And they so they've been there. So they'll be able to relate with a lot of the kids and understand what they're going through, good or bad, and just kind of get them through it to help the coaches because it's hard to – be there 10 people to be there for 105 kids all the time yeah no doubt and now kind of switching we were talking about coronavirus and how it's impacted everything I remember back at towards the beginning of this it feels like you know two years ago by now but a few months back uh, I know that uh, Colton Pouncey on The Athletic did an article kind of outlining some of the things that the, the staff had done, some kind of virtual uh, tours and, and things for the recruits that they were trying to bring in. Um, how has that evolved since the start of this? Of course, it's, it's gone on longer than any of us would have expected. Um, what has this staff been doing to, you know, keep it going on the recruiting trail, try to build some momentum, try to get some more commits um, is there anything they're doing that's that's especially different from everybody else, or you know what what's their goal in these you know Zoom meetings or whatever they're doing, you know in in trying to find some commits in this 2021 class? Um, I, I think at the beginning some of the people were ahead of stuff, but now I think it's kind of a copycat thing where everybody's kind of doing what they can. Um, but the biggest thing is for them is to stay in constant contact with the guys that they want uh, and just build the relationship with them, not even so much football, as to get to know them as people and uh, to build it that way and to even talk with the high school coaches when they can through Zoom just to build those relationships. And it's not always about football for them. So I guess that's probably what they're doing the best at is just getting to know the kids. Yeah. And, and I was talking with some friends before we hopped on here. I, I mentioned that again, we have uh, for everybody, Corey Robinson from rivals on. And I, I asked if they had any questions that they wanted to make sure we got in. And I, one interesting one um, with this whole weird, wacky 2020 potential season, right? I I'm at the point where I, I think they'll find a way to start it, whether they finish it or not, who knows, but I mean, is relative to the rest of, let's say the big 10 or, or the rest of the country. Um, how do you see this for Mel Tucker in terms of recruiting? Is, is this good? Is this bad? Or is it just basically on the same plane as everyone else? Because one thing that we thought about was, well, it, it does. I, I think most of us could agree that we didn't expect a great win loss record this year. So it, it does avoid a potential stink of, of a bad first year in terms of wins and losses. So, so maybe that could be a weird positive. I mean, are there any positives or negatives relative to the rest of the conference or the rest of the country 
if if we do have some weird shortened year, we only end up playing three or four games, whatever it might be? Um, for me, I, I think uh, they they probably won't be measured too much on wins and losses. Like kids understand that you're rebuilding something and the situation for them, I mean, kind of sucks really. But uh, yeah. but I, I do think uh, it would benefit them for people to see what they're at least trying to do. Like, I mean, watching – I watch a lot of Colorado tape and uh, some Kansas State tape with their defense coordinator. And the what Michigan State will have next year is a lot better talent than what they dealt with at Colorado or Hazleton had at Kansas State. So, I mean, obviously – Nobody's picking them to win win the Big Ten this year by any stretch. But I do think uh, kids being able to see it would be a good thing. And I I do think uh, their wide receivers are a lot more athletic this year, assuming a nailer can stay healthy. So that's going to help make them a lot more exciting than what we've seen the last couple years where it felt like we were stuck with a lot of possession receivers and you had to go – 12, 14 yard drives to get a touchdown. You didn't have any home run hitters where I think uh, Jaden Reed, Jalen Naylor healthy, uh, Trey Mosley, who was I think the best receiver on the team the last three games of the season, including the bowl game. Uh, Then you get uh, some of the freshmen. I think the wide receivers they brought in in 2020 are some of the best that they've brought in just as far as athletes go. Like Ricky White, he did a great job uh, down at the highest level of Georgia where he's a guy that can make plays after the catch. And same with uh, Lockett, Terry Lockett from Minnesota and a couple of the other ones, Ian Stewart. Like those are all really good athletes. So I think just by having better athletes, the offense is going to look more exciting than it had the last few years. Uh, The big key to me is uh, offensive line, obviously. Uh, the, the run blocking has been a struggle. I think everybody knows that about Michigan State. Uh, some of it's attributed to injuries, <laughs> some to other things. But but I think, like I've always said, Chris Kapilovich is the, the MVP hire for Tucker just because he has a track record of taking uh, offensive lines that maybe weren't so good and making them good. Where I was looking at the metrics, like the run blocking metrics at Colorado – when he arrived, it was similar to what he's inheriting at Michigan State, and he was able to get most of those run-blocking numbers in, within the top 30 or 20 of the country in one year there. So obviously losing spring, you lose a little bit of that impact or momentum, but I think a guy like him can get the offensive line to be functional quickly, which fixes a lot of whatever problems they face next year. Yeah, you mentioned him and and Hazelton as well as another guy who, you know, you look at his whole past and it's just littered with one-year turnarounds. It was North Dakota State, it was Wyoming, it was Kansas State that basically even even just his first year in the door without any of his players made a big impact. So so I I at the end of the day I'm definitely with you. I I think it's best for everybody to to play as much as possible right it's a young team that that could use the experience it's a lot of exciting skill players that you know again when we're looking at some future recruits who could see some of this stuff and and say hey it's it's a little bit more of an exciting offense there's some stuff going on there there's some energy um but you know kind of turning our focus to some some specific guys here in the 2021 class 
You know, we, we've seen that, that when he was hired, there was a kind of flurry of activity for the first month or two. And then it's kind of tapered off here. And we, we got a tight end commit a couple weeks back. Like you said, he's, he's heading over to IMG this year. Um, now there's a couple guys that are coming up here. I know one that we'll talk about for sure is Andrew Anthony, the, the receiver out of East Lansing, um, who's committing very soon. I, I can't remember, Friday, something like that. Um, now what, what are some guys that the folks at home should keep an eye on some guys that might be committing soon or that have narrowed down to a top four or five. Some guys that, that East Lansing is in Michigan State is definitely on their radar and, and that fans should at least keep an eye on of, of some potential commits that are coming down the pipeline here. Yeah, so as, as you mentioned, uh, Andrew Anthony, that's the big name where uh, everybody is focused on him. He's from East Lansing. He's got the decision coming up. Uh, I have Michigan State as the team that he's going to choose on Friday. I think pretty much everybody does at this point. Uh, so so there's a lot of strong indications they'll end up getting him. And he was a kid that they had to get. Like a lot of people will attribute, oh, he's from East Lansing. Of course he's coming here, but that's not the case. If they didn't have the coaching change, he would be in Ann Arbor right now, maybe Happy Valley. He wouldn't be in East Lansing. It's, yeah, I mean, we pulled Antoine Simmons right out of Michigan's backyard, so that stuff happens yeah. all the time. Yeah, and he just didn't really feel the the vibe with those, I guess, is in his words. But but I expect them to land him on Friday, which is huge going forward because I think he will be a strong recruiter for the rest of the class. Um, another guy coming up is Mike Muslinski. He's an offensive lineman from Florida. Uh, the company I have them with, Rivals, has them rated terribly, in my opinion. I <laughs> haven't hidden that fact. They have them at a two-star, where I believe on the other site he is uh, somewhere in the top ten, five, whatever, at his position, and that's probably more in line. Um, he should have an announcement soon about committing soon. Uh, he's the top center target for Michigan State, Iowa, Texas, uh, Florida State and a bunch of others so that probably tells you his talent level is better than his current ranking with my site which definitely <laughs> uh, we're, we're trying to fix with the right people but I don't have any say on that um, but he he would be a huge one if they can get him over Texas and Iowa I kind of have got the sense that Michigan State and Texas have separated from the pack with some of the things going on at Iowa but not 100% on that because he's probably the best poker player recruit I've ever talk to in my life he doesn't tell you anything really strong he gives you a lot of good stuff but avoids that um beyond those guys uh javon grigsby a defensive back from louisiana safety he's been rumored to be ready soon uh for a while uh i think michigan state still leads with him and feels good his mom just wanted to make sure you're 100 there's no decommitting so let's make sure you're right. So he's a guy to keep an eye on. I really like him a lot. I think if he played up in Michigan, he would easily be a four-star just because there's fluctuation of how guys are uh, graded, depending on where they're at. Um, But he's a good one. And then a couple big ones are both four-stars and teammates in New Jersey. Uh, Audric Estime, the running back, he's a Rivals 254-star. Uh, 
kind of the number one target along with Donovan Edwards, but they have a good shot with him. And then his teammate, who's, uh, I think, in the 150 range on rivals, a four-star offensive lineman, Gino Vandemark. Those are two of the top targets regardless of position. Uh, there's a good chance that they're both going to take a, a vacation visit to East Lansing together. Uh, so they can't interact with the coaches in person, but they can do Zoom calls with them to get a tour around campus okay. and see that. And then a couple of the commits are going to try and link up with them too just to add a little camaraderie and get it going. Uh, for me, if they make that visit in August, then I would probably put my uh, my prediction in for them both to end up at Michigan State. I think they're to the point that they're really close, but they just want to see it in person. So even though they can't go inside the buildings, they at least get to lay eyeballs and feet on the campus. So that's potentially happening in the next couple of weeks, and that would be uh, monumental for them to land those guys because, again, they're at a powerhouse program in New Jersey, one of the best ones in the entire country, and they're both great players that fit what they want. They're both physical guys. Uh, so if they could get those guys – wrapped up soon that would be huge for them and kind of create that second bit of momentum down the stretch because the class will probably be around 25 i believe they're at 12 or 13 right now so i can't think off the top of my head yeah, uh, like that. but yeah so they'll go from that and hit that next wing and then you're almost wrapped up with the class and then you can start getting a little more picky and people will be feeling a little bit better if they were able to land some of those guys. Uh, another kid, too, I almost forgot, was Stephen Johnson. He just decommitted from uh, Rutgers on this weekend. Uh, Michigan State's a very good spot there for him. Uh, his best friends with the commit, Charles Brantley. Uh, those guys are best friends, the teammates, so I have a feeling he will be part of the class. Um, He's a good long athlete. I think he's 6'1 with long arms, fast, quick twitch, can move fast. Uh, I think the biggest problem that kept him from a bigger offer list, their ranking, would be his high school film. He played high school. For his high school, he plays quarterback. So he put out this 13- or 14-minute video uh, about, I would say, 11 – to 12 minutes of it was quarterback running highlights and not defensive back highlights, which he plays and <laughs> is being recruited as. So I think that hurt him there. But what you can see from the tape is he's a good athlete uh, that's got a great frame on him and he plays at a, a good program in Florida against good competition. So I, I would put him in the project thing just because of the film. I can't, it's hard to grade him if you don't see it, but he, he definitely has the measurables you're looking for. Yeah, and that's I, I've been a proponent for years of trying to get as many former quarterbacks on the roster as you can, and even in some kind of simplified high school offenses, just a guy who's who's been in that position, who's trying to read defenses, who's in the film room all the time with the coaching staff. Um, I, I, I try to get as many former quarterbacks as I can on my roster, whether they're DBs, whether they turn into wide receivers, running backs, whatever it might be, but... Um, no, it's, I mean, I, I've been trying to, you know, preach a little bit of patience to people, right. The, because the last couple months, like I said, it's, it's kind of dried up a little bit, it feels like, yeah. but, 
there are definitely some guys coming down the coming down the stretch here the summer that that are probably going to be announcing soon that seem like they're leaning towards Michigan State. So um, I know Andrew Anthony. When was the commit day? Was it Friday? Yeah, Friday. Uh, I think three thirty or four p.m. somewhere in there. Uh, the Midwest guy for us, Josh Helmholt, he's doing a, a interview with him similar to the one that Enoch Bolache did today where it was kind of like the two split screens or whatever. Yeah, yeah with was. CBS. Uh, but, yeah, so that he'll be doing that on Friday. But, yeah, all indications is that he'll stay home. Yeah, definitely. So that will be, as you're listening to this on Thursday, that will be tomorrow. Make sure you check in uh, for that. Again, head over to Rivals and you can make sure you watch that live. Um, now, you know, just to kind of wrap this thing up here, I'm, I'm curious, you know, again, it's it's something where there's a lot of turnover, I'm sure, in, in your business. But, you know, kind of thinking back to some of these guys who are committing uh, the 2020 commits who, who are entering their freshman year at Michigan State. Now, obviously, you have a whole lot of other factors that have never been, you know, considered before between the, the lack of spring practices, the new coaching staff, and all of this kind of stuff. Are, are there any guys who you think, based on just purely on talent or, or whatever it might be, they're fit with the new coaching staff? Are there any guys that we should expect to see a lot in their freshman year, some guys that, you know, in a normal year would burn the red shirt for and, and play more than four or five games in their freshman season. I know you mentioned Ricky White, the wide receiver out of Georgia, Terry Lockett as, as some kind of impact, potentially impact skill players. Um, is there anybody that you see them burning a red shirt for and, and really getting out on the field for a lot of snaps their freshman year? Um, I, I could see a guy like Jordan Simmons, who has a, that legit track speed. I could see them using him as a guy to kind of get in space. Uh, he's similar to Anthony Williams, the freshman, where I think the old staff kind of learned how to use him the last couple of games, where you know it's not so much between the tackles right now until they get bigger and stronger, but get him outside, let him make plays. So I think he's a guy that could play behind uh, – Eli Collins and then Anthony Williams. Uh, I think he's got a role. The receivers you mentioned would be there. And then on, on defense, I'd say uh, Darius Snow. I think his IQ level is just really off the charts. I think there's he's got a place on this team being a, an early enrollee, although he lost some things he's yeah. <laughs> at, the, at the time with the film room and around the coaches. But, yeah, I mean, that kid's – it's like one of the smarter football players I've ever talked to. Like, he just gets it. He's a junkie on it. Um, and then Devin Hightower, the linebacker, again, he was like an early enrollee. But coming in, I mean, that kid's a, a beast. His, his legs are huge. Uh, just a big kid that at Ak coming out of Akron Hoban in Ohio, he did a lot of pass coverage as a linebacker, which is a big thing that I guess a lot of people don't pay attention to as much and from a linebacker, but now you have to with the way the game's being played. So I think he's physically ready and he's played, he's shown an ability. Same thing with Darius. He came in early. Um, and then I think that's probably it for the guys that I think that would make a big impact freshman year, potentially. 
there'd be a few guys that might get in there for just to get their feet wet with the four game rule. But I think those guys would be the main ones. Yeah. Devin Hightower is a guy I've tried to highlight a little bit because, you know, with behind Antoine Simmons, I think there's a little bit of uncertainty in the linebacker room. There's just not a whole lot of experience. I know like Noah Harvey was playing, you know, the last couple of games of the season, but um, that's a guy that, you know, with, with the profile you see on tape, I think would fit perfectly into what Scotty Hazleton's trying to do. But um, that, that's, you know, I, I could sit here for hours and talk recruiting because I'm a guy who I, I follow it from afar. And I think most of us can probably say this, you know, we, we start following when guys are down to their top four or five. Um, there's just so much of this stuff that I, I'm sure it's, you know, you you got a busy time ahead of you now. And, and I saw like, you know, we have 350 some offers in for 2021. Like, I don't know how you guys keep up with this stuff, man, but you know, Corey, before I let you go, I want to give you a chance to, again, make sure you follow him on Twitter and everything like that. But is there anything you want to plug for yourself before we, we get out of here? Uh, no, I mean, I'm good, uh, but I appreciate you having me on and stuff. But as far as keeping up, uh, we have a, a pretty good staff. And then I have a, a newer guy, uh, Justin Thint. He's helped out a lot with keeping up with everything so we can – bounce things off and say all right you got this guy i got this guy where prior to that it was probably mostly me <laughs> keeping up with it so that's helped out well, a lot but show. yeah but but it definitely keeps you uh from getting bored yeah well well awesome man again follow on twitter at rivals robinson make sure you head over to rivals and and follow up with all this stuff like we mentioned there's a lot of uh, recruits that are uh, going to be committing here soon. So you're going to want to make sure that, that you have some tape to, to keep, keep an eye on what these guys are like and, and follow along there. So head over to Rivals, follow Corey Robinson on Twitter, and, and thank you so much for your time, man. Yeah, no problem. Anytime. All right, take care.